0: Sarah McBriar is Founder and Creative Director of AVA Festival, an audio, visual and arts festival which began in Belfast back in 2015. AVA is now already one of the most credible music events in Europe and Sarah was very generous with her insight into how she's achieved that. We spoke in depth about how she created AVA back in 2015. She told us how to build a sellout festival in year one, which not many events can do. We discussed the key things that you need to nail before you start a festival or an event. And we also discussed the importance of building a community, not only with your fans, but also with your staff, your artists, your freelancers, anyone that's going to play a part in the festival. Sarah is a person I really, really admire in the industry, and I've followed her journey for a long, long time. So it was a real honour to be able to sit down with her and find out her secrets to success, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, so Sarah, I'm going to start with a confession, and the confession is that I've fangirled you for such a long time, and everything you've achieved Aww. with with AVA um I think it's incredible but we've got a mutual friend through um my brother and and Dave one of our friends and I was away with my brother Phil recently and we were sat on the beach just eulogizing about how phenomenal you are for literally about half an hour (laughs) so I thought I'll have to get you on because I want to find out your secrets (laughs) um but yeah honestly I, I always admire from a distance everything um you guys are doing and I'd love to um Pick your brains, really, on on how you guys have done it all and and what goes into the making of um, of AVA each year. It also struck me that I hadn't personally seen, just from my experience, another female promoter start a festival of this scale on their own. And just looking at your journey instantly, I felt more related to it. Um, And I thought it was really inspiring, everything that you've done, so... Um, yeah, I'm really excited to get stuck into the agenda today. I'm really nosy, by the way. I'm very curious, so I just want to I want to really use this episode to understand how you deliver to such high standards on all fronts. Because when I think about AVA, um, it's everything from, from the lineups that you book and, and having such an unwavering commitment to booking emerging talent and balanced lineups, which I know is, isn't isn't easy as a as a booker. Um, but also everything from the production. Um, And everything that goes into the brands, because when I think of of AVA, it it really is one of the most credible music brands, electronic music brands in Europe. So really trying to understand how you've crafted that over the years and and really positioned it in in the way that you have done. So, yeah, really excited to to find out how you've done it all. For anyone who's tuned in who's not familiar with AVA, could you give a quick background into where it started and, and what it is today?
1: Yeah. Um, thank you for that introduction. That was very kind. And likewise, Sean, I think it's very impressive what you're doing in your career and how you've built it. So um, that's a mutual respect from both of us. Um, yeah, so ABA really started its official journey eight years ago, but its unofficial journey probably 10 years ago now. Um Actually, longer than 10 years, it would have been maybe even like 13, 14 years. It stems back to when I went to Glastonbury for the first time. Um, I went with my best friend, my best friend since we were about four, made the venture across um, from Belfast via Bristol to Glastonbury. And I had never really experienced anything like Glastonbury before, even remotely close to it, because in Belfast... Before AVA and a few other festivals came on the scene, the only thing that existed in Belfast was very much headline driven, multi day shows outdoors. So there was Tennis Vital or there was Bell Sonic. And these are very much like big, you know, like big, big acts. That sell the tickets and maybe there's two support acts and it's just a field with one stage and a couple of bars. So that was kind of my headspace and what I had experienced as a young person in Belfast. Um, and then I went to Glastonbury with my best friend and my mind was just completely blown. Like obviously Glastonbury is like top of the league. Nothing really compares to it, but that was my first experience of something of that scale. Um, And so I just came away after the first time being like, wow, I really want to be a part of creating something like that. And I really think there isn't a creative platform like that back in Belfast in Northern Ireland. Um, And similarly, I felt in the UK at that time. And again, there's a lot that's changed in the last um, probably like six, seven years. But um, that kind of creative platform and like working with local talent and artists and very much crafting an event as opposed to just focusing on headlines and sort of big drink sales, which is what I could see from, from other sort of events. Um, and so, yeah, that kind of was the start of the journey. Um, at the time I was working at Man City Football Club. Um, so I was actually living in Manchester, loved my job there. I was working as a project manager, um, for their tourism, um, department and I kind of climbed my way up there and took over a department and a budget and reshaped and reskinned that and worked with amazing people while I was there um but I knew that sort of sport long term wasn't where I could see myself and I wanted to move more into arts culture and music um And so that was a kind of a bit of a journey. I did a master's. um, I worked at Warehouse Project um, whilst I had my job at City. So I used to do the weekends with them. Um, And then I worked on lots of other festivals. So I got my first bit of experience at Block 9 at Glastonbury for six months. I assisted the producer there. Um, And then I worked on other festivals like Myth and... um, went to lots as well like Sonar and Secret Garden and sort of was experiencing everything as well um and then yeah it was probably around about nine years ago then I made the decision to really give it a go um and so I went through a pitching process pitching for money for a grant um and that enabled me to get that first piece of funding so What ABA is now is very different to what it was then, but the premise of it all, it sort of stems back to the same things. ABA stands for audiovisual arts and it's about developing electronic music and electronic arts, so very much like the visual side as well as music side, working with talent from sort of all different layers from emerging, like super emerging. We do like emerging programs that people haven't even played out yet or all the way up to, like, headliners um, who would headline global festivals around the world. Um, and then very much keeping a core base of local talent. Um, and local now for us would be, you know, Northern Ireland, Belfast-based, but also we work with a lot of Southern Irish artists as well. And working with, like, mainland UK artists. And, and ironically, during the sort of pandemic and Thankfully, we've survived that two-year stint. Um, It kind of flipped the focus back on local and emerging, but for us it was always a focus. So that year that we kind of got through two reschedules and put on our show, um, it was a really momentous moment for us because we were already working with a lot of emerging talent and it actually meant they pushed up right through the headline slot And, you know, it was a sellout show as well. So it was kind of just like a real, like, wow moment in terms of, like, atmosphere and experience for everyone. Um, But, yeah, I think as we progress, um, yeah, the standards of what we do in terms of production and working with artists and developing the team and um, growing what we do as well is is really really key but always just kind of kind of keep it in balance as well with maintaining the core pieces um and making sure that they are growing but like stable as well
0: what what came i don't first? know if i answered your question there. <laughs> no no you did you did I, i'm interested to think understand what came first so you're starting a new festival from, from scratch have you got a lineup in mind is it the production in mind is it the venue what comes first
1: It's a good question. I think
0: no matter what,
1: you have to nail your venue, because without that, you can't really build the other pieces. And your venue will dictate a lot of, like, your capacities, the amount of stages you can have, the volumes, and time you can run to. You know, if it's... We, we ran for the first five years of AVA, we were indoor. Well, actually, indoor and outdoor, we had, like, two indoor stages, two outdoor stages. So it meant that we could run to 1am. Whereas now we've moved fully outdoor and the the cutoff is 11pm. But moving fully outdoor, we can actually grow a lot bigger. So we're able to essentially double in size since moving outdoor. Um, So I would say your first step is to have a really clear vision of what you want to create. So like, what is your like ethos? What are you doing this for? Like, I think... Festivals that start without that nailed and don't understand what they're doing in all four, that's where you can really quite quickly lose your way and lose your audience. Like we've actually, it's been amazing to see the journey of our ticket holders as well. We've actually kept a lot of ticket holders across the years and they would return. And then we like basically grow by adding more. And I think a lot of that is because they see the change in the festival but there's a real commitment to like what we are about and like what the core of it is. So I think like it's important to start with like why are you doing this, what's your ethos, what's your like whole purpose. Um and then also yeah, like where's your location, like where's your home. So if it's London or if it's Manchester, Liverpool, Belfast, like where are you going to start, where can you see like growth? And I think, you know, I think one of the big mistakes that I've noticed from seeing my own journey and then seeing other people starting is like they bite off more than they can chew at the beginning and the reality is it's an extremely complex thing to make work there's a lot of people involved there's a lot of personalities involved there is a lot of like things that can go wrong and there's a lot of things that can go right but there's there's a lot of challenges and the reality is it takes time to get that all right and to sort of balance it out and unless you've got maybe 10 years under your belt of knowing how to do this and knowing what to do it's a, it's an, it's quite a high risk thing to start so like our whole journey has been just growing it incrementally year on year we didn't start where we are now we started in a warehouse on the docks of titanic with a growth plan, but very much like, let's get this off the ground, nail it, you know, do an amazing job and everyone walk away and say, that was great. Um, so yeah, I think like venue, your whole purpose, um, developing like who's in your team and like how you're going to build this. Cause I actually think the lineup can come after those pieces. You know, really you can't start putting out offers and developing who you're going to play for your festival until you've got those other pieces sorted first so yeah I think that's really like stage two
0: so you mentioned that it being a huge risk you know before you you launched year one did you did you test it with anyone did you get feedback from anyone or did you just kind of fully back the vision and and go for it
1: um um, when you say tested, do you mean like have conversations with people about whether they think it would work, or do you mean like just doing small? It is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, I spoke about it with loads of people. I was really open about it, and um, I even talked about it with my competitors, which is hilarious. Most people don't do that. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> actually, I mean, again, this is a uh, challenging industry to navigate, let's say it's, it is a very competitive industry. Um, and I actually had an existing, you know, relationships with a lot of people in the industry and within, um, Belfast. So for me, it was actually more about being open. It was more about saying, I want to start this. I want to do this. This is what I'm planning to do. This is when I'm planning to do it. Um, and actually it worked to my advantage being that open because, I wasn't trying to step on people's toes. I wasn't trying to create something that was like a huge event from the get go. It was like, I'm trying to build something here. There's going to be a lot of benefits for other people in the industry and for talent. Um, so, yeah, like I spoke about it quite a lot before it even became public and um, got a lot of people's advice and thoughts some of it I took on board and some of it I didn't of course the competitor said don't do it you'll never make it work <laughs> 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 that ironically drove me much harder to make it work um, I feel like I could guess um, it would be as well yeah yeah quite <laughs> obvious. Um, but no so we have a really good like I have a good relationship with everyone and it's it's all like it's all fun and games and to a degree. Obviously, it's very serious and it's a it's a big industry. But um, in terms of like relationship management, is really important as well. And I think you know I actually think it's important to um, maintain and, and and be quite open because especially we saw during the di- uh, the pan- pandemic how important working with your partners and your competitors through these periods is, you know, and we spoke quite regularly with a lot of people who were doing something very similar. Um, but yeah, no, so I spoke about it and had those conversations, but no, there wasn't like a test bed really. It was very much get off the ground in year one. Um, and there wasn't a a great expectation in terms of making lots of money or, you know, um, I didn't set out this, huge sort of target or anything it was more about like just getting it off the ground doing it well and then growing it so year one you get the lineup out at what point did you know this is this is probably going to go quite well this this is on track to sell out like two months before the event i mean it wasn't like far i mean two months before the event actually is pretty good in year one um but yeah, we we locked Boiler in, which was the first time they'd come to Ireland. So we um, and that took a long time to sort of get across the line and also to um negotiate basically. But it worked and it happened. And when we announced that, there was a huge amount of interest both from brands and audiences and artists and stuff. So that was really uh, a really sort of special moment. And from that point on there was a lot more sort of momentum let's say um and similarly with the lineup that we announced with and we were able to do sort of a fresh announcement with the new room lineup as well so it kind of gave that extra boost in the campaign um and then yeah it all it all thankfully went to plan <laughs> it's it's quite
0: a hard one to bottle isn't it because there's there's some festival like we work at loads of festivals every year launching, some of them work, some of them don't. But there's some festivals that launch and you just know everyone's going to want to be on the guest list. The vibe's going to be good. You know the type of crowd that's going to go, and you just have a certain level of, of expectation. And I, from an outsider's perspective, when everything I've ever seen from from a, AVA, I've got that feeling. I just know it's just going to be of a certain quality and it's going to be,
1: um, you know, a certain a certain vibe. What 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 would you you know, it's a hard thing to bottle, but what would you put it down to? Was it was it the brand partnerships that you got behind it from the start? Was it word of mouth? Was it getting the right crews and the right people talking about it from the start? Definitely community. community. like Community's very strong in Belfast, and I know it is in Manchester and Liverpool as well, um, and Glasgow and Edinburgh. I mean, it's different in London, I guess, because it's more of a transient. City, but um community I think is really key to like a successful festival. And that's like with your artists, with your staff, with your
0: um
1: audience as well. So we put a lot of energy and investment into that. And um getting the team right, getting the lineup right, getting the location right, getting the location was really important. Um and then, yeah, having real momentum in your campaign, I think it's still continuously something that you just have to get right. If you don't have momentum in your campaign and you don't excite people and make them realize that like this is a really special event and you can't miss it. Um then, you know, there's it's a competitive landscape. There's a lot out there, you know, there's a lot of options. So It's why we continue to evolve, but why we really invest in certain areas, Um, production design as well, um, and how we communicate and sort of like give brand loyalty to like long term audiences and, you know, pre-sales and ability to like sign up and get early access tickets. All those kind of things are really important points to build your sort of long term audience. Did you find
0: in, in year one, So you know you mentioned what AVA was originally when you first got that, um, had to go through the pitch, it, it did change a lot. Did you find in year one you were still adapting what what AVA was? And I guess when what, what, what I'm trying to get at with that is is the idea of brand as well um, and just understanding this definitely is AVA and this definitely isn't AVA.
1: in terms of artists or in terms of like look and feel or i think it's a bit of all, like all of it yeah the, the thing that um that fascinates me and it's such a hard nut to crack is you know you can have a lineup you can have social you can have all the, all these other things but i feel like there's like this intangible force which is your brand and it's your ethos and it's your identity that drives it all forward so it becomes so obvious what an ava event would be and i know whenever you guys launch something and you've done stuff in 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 mumbai or whether it's in london i just know it's going to be of a a certain look and feel how did you did you like over time did that become easier to articulate what that is or did it just happen quite organically like what makes avi avi yeah so um there's so many layers i guess to it you know i think everyone who we employ or engage whether they're freelance or um or who we book um there's definitely an understanding of well if i if i take back the four artists and sort of say within the team yeah there's definitely a, a belief in like what we're creating and a sound and an interest and we We have lots of discussions about, you know, different approaches to production, look and feel, um, artists, and it has evolved as we've had to get bigger. Um, And I would say there's probably a level of instinct as well. You know, there's a couple of the team who've kind of been there from the beginning, and I think that kind of helps develop You know, beyond what we are, but helps kind of keep that core look and feel and um, AVA ness to it. I would say, like, a lot of it probably is quite instinct, quite gut feeling. Um, There's definitely areas that we're wanting to develop, which mean that we can develop what we're doing, but not having to broaden too much our musical sort of genres. You know, we can broaden what we book but at the same time we can work further on like the visual aspect or more with like technology or on the conferencing side so because we're not like a venue we're not kind of limited to having to do x amount of shows with different talent and pulling in x amount of tickets um so yeah i think that it's 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 weird it's not really like a set formula it's kind of more how it's evolved i think. Mm, it seems it seems quite instinctual. it seems like something that has come from the founding team, but it's I guess your job is to radiate that to anyone that you know that you bring in, whether it's freelancers or the artists or people that you work with, and just making sure they kind of understand where that's come from yeah and and when you moved on to i guess year two and three year three and it kind of went from strength to strength. What was the process behind making sure it was fresh? How did you maintain hype? You mentioned that a lot of retain customers, sorry, your your percentage of retained customers is pretty high. Um, what went into that? Was it did you simply spend more budget? Was it scaling up the lineup? Was it trying to be more inventive with with your marketing? Um so for the first three years we were in T thirteen, which is the docks where the Titanic was originally built actually. Um in an old shipping warehouse so we started there as like one day two stages then the following year we were one day four stages then the following year we were two days four stages so we grew and then we reached capacity at that venue so we then moved to the b&q um which is the large b&q in europe well was the large b&q in europe um, and that was an epic venue, you know, it was literally this ginormous warehouse. I mean, the square footage we had both indoor and outdoor was phenomenal. There wasn't anything else like it. So we were able to like play about with design and production, look and feel and crowd flow. And so there was an exciting journey with our venues and our growth that I think kept people really excited about what it was going to look like. Because we were only happening once a year as well, it wasn't like we were happening regularly. There was such an excitement about seeing, like, what we're going to be like next year. And, obviously, as we grew, then we were able to expand the level of talent we could book as well. And then the pandemic happened, and we had to reschedule twice. And then we, thankfully, had voucher playing fields booked for the September period, and we had to take a punt. Like, it was... It was 100% a punt in terms of knowing if COVID would calm down enough to allow us to go ahead. Um, Anyone who works in this industry will know that there was just so many unknowns. And I think from my perspective, we were ready to take that jump. We were ready to go from being an indoor to a fully outdoor festival. So for me, it was the right time to sort of take that jump. And it allowed me to build the team in a way that started to transition because to that point we had only worked sort of indoor multi venue with indoor and outdoor sorry, but with a more team that had delivered on that level. Whereas going fully fully outdoor, you're then really exposed to the elements. You're exposed to more site challenges. You know things like wind can stop your event. So I've seen that with Houghton and. Affects other festivals so um I actually recruited a new site manager and event director um who came with sort of 10 years experience of running these big outdoor shows and with that um also recruited some other um key roles and recruited a health and safety and COVID management role as well so that that piece was like fully managed in terms of saying finger on the pulse because it was continually changing and thankfully that team just worked really well and gelled really well together and we delivered a sold out outdoor festival and it was like incredible I don't know how but we've got amazing weather for two days um we've lucked out I'm I'm scared to even say that because obviously it is like an element of luck with the weather um and I think just our journey it's it's interesting. It's another reason why I think having that journey is a good thing rather than just trying to start really big because ultimately if you start more than you are you're not really leaving yourself a lot of space to like develop and grow and excite your audience. So it's another reason why I would be in favor of doing a similar approach to us. Um and then and then we actually took a Titanic back to Titanic, um, which was a big decision, um, but worked really well. Um, we took it to the dry dock and the slipway. So it's actually across the road from our old venue. Fully outdoor, but it's got the most stunning backdrop. So you can see the city of Belfast, you can see the Titanic building, and then you can see all the boats coming in and out of the water, and it's right on the docks. Um, and it's got this really nice mix of like urban city there's some grass there's the water the sets over the city like it's just kind of really iconic sort of location um and then also we started to broaden our programming so we started to work with like acts we wouldn't have booked before like new dad Anola Gay, or and big pig but then also very strong techno house disco um our boiler room stage um, and develop new partnerships with the BBC. We've actually worked with them now, like really solidly in the last two years. And we've started doing BBC Signs, which sits on iPlayer. Um, so yeah, like started to sort of just develop a lot of kind of core pieces to the festival. Um and our ambition is always to sort of continue and grow and change our production and help like evolve something exciting and new. I think Glastonbury does that extremely well. Like, I've been to Glastonbury now eight times and every time I go back there's something just completely new that I've never seen um, and you feel like you just can't even get round it all so I think that's really important to be honest if you happen once a year continue to evolve and keep it fresh is almost like how you survive. Yeah completely. Are there any other festivals that obviously it's like aside from Glastonbury that you wish you'd started or what are your and ultimate inspirations of the festival um I think for me, I'm not probably a camping festival operator. I think I like the city um aspect to it. I like evolving with the city and sort of engaging with it um I do think Gastonbury is completely iconic. I think the fact that they own a part of the land and are able to sort of have that staple element plays a big role in like their journey as well. Um, In terms of other festivals, I would have liked to have started. It's a difficult question. Um, I don't think I have a direct answer to it, to be honest. Oh, okay. I'll flip the question. Are there any parts of certain festivals that you've um, you you quite like? Say, yeah, I mean, about? I love commissioning. I like commissioning new work. Um, it's a very tricky thing to do, and it's difficult to get right. It's something that we're developing ourselves, Um and so my first exposure to commissioning was through Myth Manchester International Festival, and I liked how they brought together different like art forms like ballet and xx and like, um, you know, the gorillas with, um, the York or, you know, there's really interesting collaborations and really interesting commissioning that excites me a lot. Um, so I really respect that aspect and I love how they engage the city of Manchester. Um, I really like how Coachella invests a lot in their stage design and setup and similarly Glastonbury as well. So I would say the two main things I find most exciting from other festivals is like stage design and how they like bring that production element to life and then the commissioning of new work. Fast forward to 2022 then and it's been quite an interesting climate for festivals and events this year as we just got seemingly over the um Covid bump then hits cost of living then hits oversaturation of the market
0: and then also hits what I found is a bit of a shift in culture and 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 behaviour with younger ravers and the whole you know Gen Z generation. Have you found any differences with your audience?
1: Do you think do you think your ravers are still the same in twenty twenty two? bearing in mind they haven't you know they haven't had two years of. It's almost like the rite of passage. Like I saw my older brother going puppet and then I kind of did that and then I did the festivals and having two years missing that, I do think um, will will change behaviour. Is that something that you found? A hundred percent, yeah. I think there's a big difference, to be honest. I think there's been a cautiousness. There's been um, total change in buying behaviours. I think... I think we'll still continue to see change over the next two years. I don't think this is just gonna click back. Um, I think the people are potentially going out less but investing more in sort of some key moments um or key occasions events. Um I'm not I'm not across, you know, it because I don't run a club or a venue to that detail, but I think what we were used to, or at least I can talk for myself, what I'm used to was you know, going out multiple times a week and um, being a student and going to all the parties and the house parties and like, you know, all the different layers that came with it. And so with that being missing for two years, I think that it's it's changed the dynamic. But I think we've also seen a huge amount of really positive change. From when I started doing this, which is eight years ago to now, there's so many more females in the industry. Bookings and the talent out there are so much more diverse. There is a far greater demand from a customer in terms of sustainability, in terms of like options of healthy drinks and healthy food. Um, and... There is more of a kind of, the community was strong before. I definitely think it was strong in Belfast. And I definitely had a lot of support from that. But I would say that that's the piece that maybe has taken a bit of a knock in terms of um, people being together. But there's definitely a want to re-engage with that. We've seen that through sort of how people have engaged with us in the last year. Um and then in terms of cost of living and cost of developing and running stuff, it's 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 a difficult balancing act at the minute. And I think it's gonna be really difficult over the next year or two. I think because we have a sort of very core budget and like this is what we deliver as like an absolute base, we're very experience now and we understand what that is and we understand where it's for of building contingencies i think if you were starting out that would be a real challenge at the minute because what you might forecast now it could be a different price next year and if you aren't able to build in that flux with also how many tickets you think you might sell it's just it is challenging um so i do think it goes back to just being cautious about how much growth you want to see and um don't undervalue how much you need to build that team from the get-go and like how that evolves as well is there anything on your minds when
0: you're planning ahead for your next events with those kind of shifts in culture in mind you know is there any format changes is, you know, are you going to promote the events any,
1: any differently um no, not really. We're looking at doing some changes with AEA London, which is very much in the mix at the minute. Um, we're looking to evolve that. In terms of Belfast, we are looking at some exciting new fringe events and we are looking at a new stage. Um, and then we've just launched a new event called Connections. So it's a club-based event. And it's multi city. So it's Glasgow, Dublin and Belfast. Um, and we're discussing with other cities about adding to that. So we're kind of now focusing on like London, which is like the biggest part of our conferencing program now sits in London. Um, and then obviously the club shows and other shows around it. Belfast is like a big outdoor multi stage festival. We also have conferencing fringe. Um, And we're looking at commissioning works within that, and then September is very much club-based, like multi-city, and like building out where we operate, like in other cities. Okay, cool. Excited
0: to um, excited to see that unfold. When you reflect back on on everything since Ava launched, what's been what's been your toughest moment, and what's been your most rewarding moment?
1: Um I would be lying if I didn't say there's been quite a few tough moments I think um I think that you know you mentioned at the beginning being one of the few females. I think that's been a challenge for me um I think that I kind of underestimated the challenge of that, and then the more you're in it, the more it can I think. Um, in, in, what, in what sense? I, feel, I think you know, I'm a real advocate of wanting more females to join the industry on um on the sort of organisation promoter side of that. um But I still think that's still something that is developing in motion. It's just not it's not equal yet. You know, I think we've seen a huge growth in artists but I don't think we've seen a huge growth on the other side. Um, And probably the most challenging moment, me navigating venues has been difficult. Um, Navigating the pandemic was very difficult. Um, I think that I've become comfortable in the unknown, which in some ways is a scary place to become comfortable in, but I think (laughs) that's what you kind of do whenever you operate um in what we do i would say that if you aren't comfortable with unknowns or at least navigating unknowns and i wouldn't say this is the job for you because i've been doing this for eight years and i would say it's very much about having comfort obviously you know you become very experienced and you become able to navigate for those reasons but I would say anyone who's been doing this job still wouldn't have known how to navigate a pandemic because, you know, we never have done that. I know that was the same for anyone, to be fair, but I would say that, like, there is quite a lot of change that happens and um, you have to be quite comfortable with that. Um, and then, I mean, this last six months has been challenging as well. You know, I think, I think everyone thought getting through the pandemic would be... Um, be the main challenge. Whereas I think the saturation, the bottleneck, sort of multiple shows and reschedules has been a real challenge in terms of talent. Um and then I guess for the the wins, you know, I think get, surviving, getting through those those tough years, um, seeing it grow, the press that we got off the festival this year, um what the boiler room's become now it's like a really massive partnership now between the two of us um skin on skin boiler room there is potentially one of top three ever recorded in terms of Uh like the amount of views it's getting and sort of viral content which is just you just you can't obviously buy or plan that that's just through years and years and years of like refining and developing and working and obviously booking the right talent um, that always felt quite synony- that- synonymous with the festival because um, the clip that always stands out that I remember was uh one of her first, maybe it was not the first boiler room she did for AVA, and then the space dimension, Controller One. It just was so. Yeah, I do Yeah, and you can't plan for yeah, that. No, I can't. <laughs> you no, know, and you can't, and you never should plan for that stuff. Like, You just don't. You just do what you do and you do it well, and the rest happens. Um, yeah, and that's the thing, you know, it's it's funny because you get an instinct, it's kind of what you said, like, you know, how do you create that sort of ABA brand, but after so many years, you get an instinct for, like, what works and what's really going to um, fly. But at the same time, it excites me to be able to evolve new aspects and genres and elements within the festival and I do think that is part of like our growth journey as well which is important so it's it's definitely a balancing act um and I think it's exciting how much Belfast has come along you know on a personal level I think where it is now to where it was before it was um you know people might not have seen it as a real destination to go to this kind of event um, and. Um people really do now. you know we get a huge traveling audience um for me it was amazing to see so many people from the south come up in the last year to two years well since we've been really back in action after the pandemic we've had a huge amount of people traveling from across ireland and some of these people have never been to belfast or the north you know and like the relationships we've developed now with festivals in the south both in terms of bookers and promoters and organizers, is really, really strong. Like we now run an area. We were just running an area last weekend all together now. We took AVA in the woods, which is like a new sort of like nature festival um, stage. And um, it was amazing. It was really, really good. We had amazing, intense, like the whole weekend. The vibe was incredible. Um, and it's great to see um, a lot more like tourism across the whole island um and culturally the importance of that as well um i think like the sad things is politics tend to create a lot stronger borders that we're seeing both in the north and the south we're seeing in england scotland wales we're seeing across all the way to europe and these festivals don't create those they do the complete opposite and it's why culture and investment in arts and music is so important. and and it's without a doubt a key player in helping to develop those things. You know, those are the conversations I have all the way to the top of like council and tourist board about how much creating environments where young people can meet other people from across essentially, you know, one island and across the UK as well. Like it's so important. And, you know, especially after a pandemic where people have been at home, so yeah, I think for me also like that cultural importance and um what's that done and helped contribute to Belfast and beyond is is definitely something we all think is very important. Oh, it's
0: incredible. Um listen Sarah, thank you so much for, for giving us your time today. And you've been incredibly honest. Um you give us a, a real insight into to your journey and, and how you've got everything at AVA. But also I think um, you know talking about trying to get more more women into the industry, but you know, getting women into more more senior roles and, and more on the promotion
1: side. I think your journey is is a, a great blueprint for that. And I hope we can get as many people to um to listen to this as possible. Because I think it's um yeah, it's incredible what you've achieved. And I can't wait to see what you guys do next. Thank you. And thank you very much for having me, um, Sean and um all the team at your end. And it's great to see businesses like yours growing so much and contributing a lot to um, developing the whole marketing um, and, and insights and everything that you guys are doing as well. And I would say like having that knowledge, I know that a lot of your team obviously have been across the warehouse project and multiple festivals as well. And it's exciting to see a lot of the professional organizations that like make the industry grow and happen, just evolving as well. So, um, likewise